Welcome to my mom's podcast. Hi, I'm Marisa Calderon, and you're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm capturing the early childhood journeys of educators, including discussions and strategies on best practices for children, birth through third grade, and sharing them here for you. Hi, everybody. It's Marisa again with the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, and I am coming to you live from, um, actually, this is, we're right next door to Galvanize Phoenix at the George Washington Museum Carter, um, Carver Cultural Center here for Phoenix Startup Week. And my guest today is the lovely Carla Rivera Cruz. And um, I decided to record the podcast here because I wanted um, to highlight our edupreneur community. Um, as an early childhood consultant, I have my own little LLC. And I wanted to highlight another person that has um, kind of the same thing going on as far as consulting goes and doing some awesome work in the Phoenix community. And so I asked Carla to join me and talk about her work and how we're um, supporting our teachers and our students. So welcome, Carla. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. <laughs> and we, we were talking about um, just the conversation today and hoping that that teacher that's listening, that maybe, maybe that paraprofessional that's listening gets some insights on your work. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do and what you're doing right now, what your current work involves. Yeah, happy to. Um, my uh, company is called CRC Education Services. It's also an LLC, and CRC just stands for my initials, Carla Rivera Cruz. I am providing consulting work, um, training, coaching, anything related to development for the entire K-12 ecosystem. So wow. I, um, one of my clients is a school that asks me to teach a one-hour entrepreneurship class every morning to juniors and seniors. Um, have also had clients that, for example, are nonprofits and want me to lead a retreat for their organization. Um, and also have clients that are schools that want me to do professional development and coaching for teachers. So what I like to say is essentially, if the work that you do helps teachers reach their fullest potential in one way, shape, or form, then I'm willing to consider working with you and partnering with you. And I know that um, your focus is the upper grades, and I wanted to make the connection with my early childhood audience that although Carla deals with the upper grades, when we chat about our struggles as edupreneurs, as educators, it's the same. <clears throat> it's exactly the same. It's, you know, as far as the kids go, maybe they're taller. <laughs> And usually they don't pee their pants. <laughs> we would like to think so, you know, but a lot of the struggles that we uh, talk about are, are very similar. Yes. We're dealing with curriculum still. We're dealing with the administration. Um, you know, the students, it, the behaviors just look a little bit different. Maybe it's a little louder. I, I don't know, you know. Um, so that's why I thought, you know, it, it's not quite early childhood, but it certainly is significant and can resonate with our education community. For sure. I mean, everything that happens in early childhood has a snowball effect or a ripple or a butterfly effect or whatever you want to call it on the things that I experience as high school teacher. Um, I've also taught sixth through eighth grade and I coach teachers K through 12. And of course, it's very easy when you're having frustrations that the teachers inevitably turn around at the imaginary <laughs> teachers behind them and ask them what they did in kinder, in first, in second, or whatever it is that quote unquote didn't prepare. 
yeah. their students, which, you yeah. know, we could have a whole episode oh, a whole just on that. Hole. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But it's all related. Yeah. It's all related. And I think it uh, goes to show how much uh, collaboration with your lower grades is important, especially if, um, you know, you're housed in these K-6 or K-8 um, communities or maybe third and up where having that connection and collaboration with the um, younger grade teachers, that's so important because I feel teachers get so isolated. Um, and if you can get the inside scoop about the student that you're going to be working with from the previous teacher, let's do it. And it doesn't mean that the behavior is going to be the same when you receive that student either. Let's, you know, fresh start, fresh start, clean slate. For sure. What made you decide your, to start your company? I, I think there's a variety of reasons that I started my own company. I, I'm going to be very real and honest and and authentic. I think the, one of the main reasons, I I don't like to say that there's one above another, but one of the main reasons is that I really value my freedom. And I grew up in a household where my parents were both born and raised in Puerto Rico. And one of the struggles that they had when they came to this country was that, well, it's the same country, but when, I guess when they came to the mainland, the mainland yeah. was that they really felt that Americans lived to work instead of working to live. Oh, yeah. And that's definitely something that I heard over and over and over again growing up, but I didn't understand it until I started, you know... I was on the, in the rat race, yeah. climbing the ladders, trying to improve my resume. And then kind of I, I, I guess when you turn 30, everyone has that moment, right, where you stop and you take a deep breath and you ask yourself, what am I doing this all for? So it isn't that I don't love the profession. I absolutely do. I love coaching teachers. I love working with teachers. I love helping teachers get better and tell them you're not crazy. This is really hard work, but here's what we can do together to make it better for you and your kids. But I also knew that I wanted to be the master of my own destiny. I didn't want to continue. The last job I had told me that the expectation was 10-hour days. Wow. And I can't get behind that because I also know that in education, you can't be the best that you can for your students unless you're caring for yourself. Oh, yes. Teacher wellness. I talk about it. Teacher and wellness in all Mm -hmm. professions and all across every walk of life. But especially in helping professions, whether that's nursing or policing or firefighting or teaching where you're really serving your community, you cannot be telling people that you expect them to be pulling 50-hour weeks. And so I had to make the decision for myself that if I want to be truly the best that I can be to serve teachers and students, I have to take matters into my own hands and make my own schedule. Yeah. Um, And so I did. But I also love what I do. I really am living out my fullest self um, personally and professionally. I am the happiest I've ever been. I'm also the most well-rested I've ever been. So it has just been, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing. It's been one year or it will be one year at the end of March now wow, that's that amazing. I went out on my own and I don't regret it for a second. Now, I definitely, definitely don't want to discourage our teachers that are in the classroom that are going to be listening to this. Oh, for sure. You know, um, I, I often talk about as a classroom teacher, you do put in those 50, sometimes 60 hour weeks, but just mm-hmm. take a look at, you know, it could be a different uh, episode Take a, be reflective about why are you putting in so many hours? What can you do in your practice that can be a little bit more efficient? Can you, can you um, get some materials from a co-teacher that's already developed another lesson plan, for, you know, for example? <clears throat> so just think about that piece um, uh, when we talk about you know, the use of your time with your lesson plans and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah, work smarter, not harder. Yes. One of the best speeches I ever heard was, 
Oh, I'm blanking on her name. She's a charter school leader in Surprise, um, Arizona Charter Academy. Heather Henderson. Okay, yeah. And she had said that she was also, you know, killing herself, not in a bad way, but, you know, really... We, we working just get like so a into our work, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she was a school leader, and she her school ended up getting a D letter grade, and she said that you know she was just on the floor crying, and someone finally just said, "It's okay that you're working hard, but do you really want to work this hard for a D?" Yeah, and that's where like she's still working as hard, but she's really honed in where she needs to be putting in those hours that are be more strategic a, about right, it. That's a key lever that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Because if you are going to work that hard, and we do, at least work for results. Yes. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest misconception of the work that you do? As a as a consultant, as a K-12 Let's do, let's do both. Yeah, I would – or as a teacher in general. How about a teacher in general? Okay, let's, we'll, let's, do, let's we'll go do that, that one yeah. first. Then, <laughs> um, I think as a teacher in general, for people who are outside of education, the biggest misconception is that it's easy and that we are, you know, just – I don't know, drawing. I remember – this is terrible, and I hope she's probably she'll probably never listen. But there was <laughs> someone who will remain unnamed that had really young kids that I used to see. Not anymore, but um, she knew that I was a teacher, and she had a daughter in kindergarten, and so she wanted to show me the cards that they made for their dad for um, Father's Day, and how they, you know, cut things out of a magazine and glued <laughs> them, and how they like wrote things that they <laughs> that they really loved about their dad, which was sweet. But then she said, you know, because since you're a teacher, and I'm like, is this what you think? I do. (laughs) And I have kids make little scrapbook style cards. Like, no, like we have objectives and standards. So I think that people, everyone thinks that they know what school is like because everyone has gone through school, but they don't understand what it's like when you're actually on the other side and you have tests and expectations and Mm -hmm. evaluation. So it's just not as easy as it looks. I think too, the, one of the misconceptions to add to that is that we expect school to be for the, our current kids uh, to be the similar to what our experience was. And we are talking about uh, a system that is a hun- over 150 years old. That's the system that we're in right now with the pu- with, as far as public education goes. We can get into the little nuances of charter and the specialized schools. But for, for I know for us, we've been talking about how do we make it innovative and hands-on. And I know um, the, from I come under... Uh, mentorship from Dr. Garcia, Dr. Isabel Garcia, we talk about how do we make um, the content real, relevant, and meaningful. Um, Whether it is numbers or shapes or if it's those bigger um, entrepreneur themes and business, um, finances, all of that. How do we make it real, relevant, and meaningful where we're not just going off a worksheet and we're making it real life, right? Yeah, and I think that there are two two things about that. People think that school is the way that they experienced it. Mm-hmm. So if they were successful and most teachers were successful, we were, we thrived, thrived is the correct yeah. word in that system. And so it's very easy for us to be successful in school, then go to college, then come back and expect school to be easy for everybody else, just the same that it was for us. But then I think there are also the people who had a really terrible K-12 Which experience. Which is me. And then they also are think, looking back and thinking, oh, my gosh, how many students are having that terrible experience that I had? Yeah. So I feel like the best thing that we could do to innovate, too, is to kind of go back. And all the kids that had a terrible experience or who have a lot of regrets yeah. uh, to say, you know, what's one thing you regret or wish that you had learned in high school that you didn't learn? That's what 
needs to change in education. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think the biggest misconception is as far as you being a consultant? You know, having that, your own business. Having my own business? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, people from the outside think it looks easier, right? They're like, <laughs> oh, how'd you do that? I want to do that. If you can do that, I can mm-hmm. do that, which is true. Mm-hmm. You can. You have. You just have to be really tenacious and really hard-headed like I am. Researched. I mean, oh my goodness. Absolutely. It's not going to happen overnight. I am just now seeing the fruits of my labor. Yep. And next month is my one-year anniversary. Um, So this year has, this month has been a breath of fresh air for me. Um, The biggest misconception I think is I'm primarily a coach, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is my responsibility to move and motivate teachers to act. I am not an expert. I'm not a sage. There is nothing that I'm telling you that you can't go Google search or buy a book or go to a workshop. And any, I think in any profession, it's knowledge is a commodity. It really is. And it's the person who has the energy to go get it, filter it, frame it in a way that is understandable and not overwhelming for the practitioners, very much like from research in universities to the practitioners. However, I would say that there are people who do look at me and they they look at me side-eyed and skeptical and think, well, first of all, I look like I'm a newborn baby, right? <laughs> I'm in my 30s, but I look really young. And there are some people who seem to think if you do not have this many years of experience in the classroom, if you did not teach for this many years, if you did not hold a leadership position, then you can't coach. Mm. And I would say that's a huge misconception because there is never going to be anybody who is an expert in kindergarten all the way through 12th in every content area. And not only that, the nature of coaching is inherently believing in somebody's potential. All you have to do is tap into it and motivate them to act. I truly believe as under-resourced as we are, there is enough human capital in every building to make incredible change. There just needs to be somebody just like a coach in a sports team. Like Mm -hmm. I know that there are some coaches sitting on the sidelines that they cannot kick a 60-yard field goal, okay? (laughs) They cannot throw for however many yards that Tom Brady, they can't. They cannot physically do every single thing that every member of that team needs to be able to do, but they coordinate it. They tap into it. They organize it. And so that to me is what coaching is. I think people think like you can't be a coach unless you're an expert. And that's mm-hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, I actually you. think I'm a better coach because I come in with humility and I say, I haven't been in the profession for 30 or 40 years. I'm not an old dog that can't learn new tricks, you know. I just want you authentically, truly, I want you to be the best version of yourself. You can be professionally. What do you need to get there? And I- a lot of times you you need that perspective that that you, sometimes we talk about I can't work in it if I'm always working on it. Like you need to take a step back. That's exactly right. There are principals, even our school leaders that have been in the profession forever. Mm. They have native eyes. They can see, we could walk through their campus and they could be completely blind to things that they're so used to seeing that I might see and ask, why do you do that? Why do you do it this way? Have you thought about this? And there are so many times that people say, didn't even think about it because they're so stuck in the weeds that they can't see it from an outside perspective the way that I can. So. Yes. Yes. And that comes um, to my next question. How do you think the public or educators can help us or you, you know, in, in your work? Love on teachers. Love on educators. It's really that simple. I mean, it's simple in the sense that it's a sentence, but we, 
very much do not feel celebrated in our profession. Thank you. Yeah. And Ooh, we need to right be. now. <laughs> well, and you know what? And I know that parents after about day four of spring break, a fall break, are like, when does school start again? When are you going to go back? And so sometimes I think, listen here, parents, <laughs> you have three, maybe four. Some of you crazy ones have five. <laughs> And within three days, yep. you're like, how, when will you be able to go? But then you'll turn around and you'll criticize teachers when they have 30 in one class, yeah. that they literally have 30 kids for six hours total. And maybe somewhere in there, they get a pee break. Maybe. And yes. you still want to turn around and criticize us when maybe we messed something up. Maybe we didn't get to an email that like we should have. Mm -hmm. Maybe we didn't have that worksheet ready or that homework ready for your kid. But if you can just think of how crazy only five make you and to think my last year of teaching, I had 180 students on yeah, my roster. I, I know I have, I have a friend that's um, also seventh, eighth grade and it's the numbers are astound, like astounding and yes. we're expecting them to still connect on a social and emotional level as well yeah let's you know put us in the curriculum and the homework assignments but we're asking these teachers to connect with our with your kids on a social and emotional level so that there's a sense of community sense of safety sense of belonging so that they can learn yep. and that's a lot it is a lot and then you make one little mistake <laughs> And all of a sudden, that parent that you've been trying to call, that you've called every month, inviting them to parent-teacher conference or inviting mm -hmm. them, all of a sudden, they show up because, you know, their student, I, it could be something as simple as their student had their hand up for 30 minutes trying to go to the bathroom, and they didn't get to go to the bathroom. Yes. It was like one little mistake. Yeah. And I think that, but I also think, I have to be very honest, we, we have some parent haters in the building, right? We yeah. do have some teachers that very much don't appreciate parents or... Right. You know, we'll say things like, well, they never show up to parent-teacher conference. Well, you have to realize that there's other things that they're yes, trying like to do as meeting well. parents where they're at. Yeah. Exactly. And I would say the root cause is there is no communication being built. We talk so much about relationships between students and teachers, so much about relationships between teachers and administrators, and parent engagement is an afterthought. Ooh, yeah, girl. Uh, yes, we could do – I think there's ooh, like 10 podcasts yeah. hidden inside ooh, of – Oh, yeah. It's going to be a first of a series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the parent relationship piece. How do I make uh, – how do I become an ally with my with my parent? Because sure. that's what it is. It's We have to become allies uh, with the parents so that we can support that student, whether it's in kindergarten or whether it's in the upper grades. Absolutely. It doesn't stop. Absolutely. And also see the good in their child. Because I know that when I tell a parent, your child was in a crispy mood, <laughs> as my mom would say, cri crispy. Um, when they're crispy, they know exactly what that looks like. I don't have to explain to you what your child looks like Ooh, when he or she yeah. is having a temper tantrum. You know better than I do mm -hmm. what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So, But there are there is one way that we see kids that parents don't see them, and that's academically. Yeah. Parents don't know what their kid looks like in a, in a math class, in a science class, in an entrepreneurship class. And if we share that and say, let me tell you something about your student that you have no idea happened or that you have no idea that they're good at, that that would go so much further than to be like, let me tell you something about your kid that you already know, yeah. which is that he gets real fussy when he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I get fussy too, <laughs> of course. Um, okay, I I love that piece because we gotta we gotta become partners with our parents. We do. Um, we gotta stop hating. <laughs> yes, another. and meeting our parents where they're at. You know, we we get to be what we call very judgy. Some of us well, they don't, they don't ever come or they don't call back or they don't email back or they don't sign off on whatever. 
you know, we can only control what's in our classroom. We don't know what's outside, you know, the, the door, the walls there, what's going on at home. Let's see how we can meet them halfway and let's reserve our, our biases and our judgments to ourselves. Because for all we know, especially the children that I've worked with, I'm their only constant. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm their only safety person. So let's see how we can work, work that out um, so that way we can continue to connect with that child and help them learn and blossom in our classroom. For sure. Nobody wants to suck. That's my unofficial. Oh, I love that one. If I could put that on my business cards, which I could technically, I just don't know how good it would be for PR. (laughs) I I would, nobody wants to suck. If you go through your whole whole day realizing, even parents that, I used to be a social worker. There would be parents that, whose kids were taken away because of legitimate abuse or neglect. Yeah. But I know that they didn't want to. Does that make sense? They didn't want to be neglectful. There was something missing, whether Uh, it's skills. Thank you. Absolutely. um, Yes. So even even so, even if there are gaps, to realize nobody actually wants to suck. No one wakes up in the morning and says, "How can I be? Can I curse on this? I don't know. Can I? How can I be the crappiest? I'll do. I'll do a mild version. (laughs) How can I be the crappiest teacher I could be? How can I be the crappiest parent I could be? Nobody wakes up saying that. Exactly. So if we just remember that, that goes so much further when we have interactions with one another. Yeah, because certainly parents are dealing with, I feel like, a lot more adverse experience or children are dealing with a lot more adverse experiences right now. So just taking that into consideration. But I always say, you know, for educators, helping us out is creating that awareness. Let the teacher do their job. (laughs) Let them teach. Let them do their job. They, After all, they studied and went to school and did all of that work uh, for your child. You know, they're the they're the supporter in that. Let them do their role. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't do it for the money. Oh my gosh. They no. weren't they weren't Thank dreaming you. of million dollar paychecks. I'm gonna be this <laughs> rich. The teacher. most we've dreamed of is winning like state teacher of the year. <laughs> And every year, I'm like, I'm not going to get it this year. The app, what is it? The <laughs> Apple Award. Oh, my God. You're so right. That's so funny. But even, even we're so um, gracious because even um, the, some of the teachers that I've worked with, and I'll, I'll do um, maybe like a little coffee gift card or something. It's just so gracious. Or I'm really big about Goodwill or, or any local thrift store and getting some gift cards from there or whatever. Oh my God, this is awesome. You know, because we get it. We, we know it's, it's not about, you know, the money. It's about feeling good about the work, um, making an impact with the, with your community. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, what about advice for teachers? Any, any additional stuff? There's so much. Again, you ask these questions that I'm like, do you have another I podcast? No, <laughs> but okay. So look at what about, I always think about that teacher that is in the classroom right now and perhaps they are feeling a little bit burnt out, a little uh, stretched in what they're doing. And, you know, unfortunately, we in our state, we do have teachers that are leaving our field. Uh, at in a, droves. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how can we support that teacher? What would be some advice for that teacher? I think... There's all kinds of things, but what I have noticed is perfectionism amongst teachers. That seems to be a recurring theme, which is if it isn't perfect, if it didn't go exactly the way that I intended, today was not a success. Um, So eliminating that, I am a huge advocate of gratitude, as you know, Mm -hmm. even if it's 
every single day, write down three things that went well in your classroom because a lot of times, some of us are with our kids, our elementary school teachers are with our kids all day. Our middle and high school, maybe you have 60 minutes with your right. students, but you sometimes will f- focus on the two-minute block of time where a student may have been terrorizing us a little bit for the day <laughs> or what we perceive to be. You're getting triggered. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They trigger us. And we forget about so many other minutes that truly, usually the majority of our students are still aiming to please. They're still aiming to do what it is that we need to. Mm-hmm. Many of my students, even if they know that they don't like to do it, they're so bought into me as their teacher yep. that they're just going to do the work because Miss CRC asked me to. And yep, I'm just going to do this and, and wait for the bell to ring. Does that make sense? Which is not a testament to <laughs> no, some No, it's absolute. That's what it's the relationship that we that we have it, with our students. Absolutely. It absolutely. really is. It really is. And so <clears throat> just you have to, if you're really like, if there is a teacher right now and if you're listening and you are drowning, if you really like wake up and almost want to cry a little bit because you have to show up at work today and you're really having a hard time with behavior management or getting through your curriculum or whatever it is, like you absolutely need to, even if it's on a piece of paper, even if it's sending yourself an email, you have to write down three things that went well. Yes. That in and of itself will take you out of your funk because that's a mindset issue. And that's that's actually something that we do with children. Um, when we talk about behavioral management and the children that I've worked with, my background is was working with explosive behaviors. And that was one of the main things that I would do um, after going through this awesome uh, session with Dr. Garcia and uh, Jenna uh, Bimes with a book called Beyond Behavioral Management, I highly recommend it, by the way, um, is those three good positives about that student. Before you come to me with that negative one that I would get first, it's something three positive so that it really does switch your mind. Focusing on that for as you're teaching that day, Write that down because it's you. Really, it really is a mind game that you need to play with yourself it to is. get you in that mood because your kids are going off of your energy. You, as a teacher in the classroom, are the pillar of strength. And if you're going to be in a funk, guess what? That's going go to be in your a kids funk as well. Your classroom. The best thing someone told me when I was <clears> not in my best teacher mode self, I was having a real hard second year, and he didn't say it directly to me, but he was saying it in general. He said something real simple. Your classroom is a mirror. Yes. And that's a really hard because there will be teachers that listen to this and think, well, my administration isn't dependable and I send a kid out and they don't get any consequences or I have this one kid and he's emotionally disturbed and there's absolutely nothing I can do. I've tried everything. Yes, there are. But again, the law of averages. That's one student. You might have 29 others. If I had 180, there were 15 to 30 But in comparison to the rest of your students, first and foremost, you have to acknowledge, yep, that's a problem. But look at all the non-problems I have. Um, So that's just, it's really crucial. I know some teachers don't want to hear that, but the reality is is that a lot of it is your mind. A lot of it is your mind. And what can you control? It's just like kids. Kids can only control their bodies. That's, I mean, when you think about it, that's all they can control. That's why you see like if they want to, they're going to overeat or undereat or whatever with their bodies. That's the only thing you can control. So while you might have those other factors, you know, that you were talking about, your administrator, my principal, or whatever, what's in your classroom is really big. Whether for us in kindergarten, creating that classroom community. So that that doesn't stop after kindergarten. Mm -mm. And I understand that our upper grades, you might have um, 
you know, 30 kids each hour, you know, up to that's why you have the hundred and something kids, but it still has to feel like a kind of classroom community. Absolutely. Um, and that's really going to stem off the, the energy and help those kids grow if it's a positive environment. Obviously, I wanted to go back to that. If you aren't, if you are in a funk, acknowledge it. Yes. I think that's so important. Kids need to know what feeling frustrated feels like because yes. we need to recognize emotions, whether you're five years old or eight, 17, 18. I do this with my teenager. It looks like you're feeling frustrated. Your face is kind of frowny because, I, you know, some, my teenager, I hate, I know she, she, she won't, she's not listening. <laughs> she won't listen, but they, she's not as verbal as other kids. She's very introverted. So if you as the adult are feeling frustrated about something, it, you know, whatever, I'm assuming hopefully it's something appropriate, but yeah, we need to be, we need to own up to our feelings and it's okay to feel yes. vulnerable. Chil children, whether it's the little ones or the big ones, need to know that it's okay to recognize your emotions. Let's talk about it. And then how do we move forward from that? So I can right. learn. So I can feel okay to continue my day. Right. And there isn't enough vulnerability in our culture, in American culture in general, but not even in the classroom either. And I would say a step further, not even acknowledging it, modeling by talking out loud. Yes, that's what I mean. Yes. The other yes. day, not the other day, September. In <laughs> September, I noticed it was, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, I was in a funk. I was not being the nicest with my students. I was being very short with them. I, I had a very short temper. And, you know, I do my gratitude journal. Mm -hmm, so I did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not feeling a lot mm -hmm, to be grateful for. Really but that was my cue. Something's not right. You need to reassess. And on that Friday, I, I re what I had realized is that that was when the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. My entire family is on that island. Yes. I hadn't heard from them. Yes. Not Wednesday, not Thursday. I was constantly checking my phone. I was constantly texting my mom. I was in a state of agitation because I honestly didn't know about the well-being of my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so every little thing that my students were doing was bothering me, but I was realizing it's because I'm not sleeping. My mind is racing. I am not present. And so on Friday, I showed up to class and I said, listen, have you all noticed that the last two days I've been a little creepy? Like I have not <laughs> been, um, haven't really been very nice to you. I've been very irritable. And they're mm -hmm. like, yeah, I teach juniors and seniors. So they're happy to acknowledge mm -hmm. when, <laughs> when it is I'm making a mistake. And I said, I have to be honest with you guys. I'm feeling really stressed and I need to talk to you about it isn't about you I'm sorry apologize you know how infrequently an adult apologizes oh, to a child thank you. when mm -hmm. they when they deserve an apology mm -hmm. and I just said I'm very very sorry but you'll need to know I'm very stressed out because I still haven't heard from my family and it's really difficult for me I choked up during that time now I can retell the story but when it was happening I started to choke up and I yes. needed a minute and it it, it did two things for me. It made me realize that like I have yet to articulate that I'm having a hard time. I, I'm trying so hard to be yes. strong yeah, yeah. that I'm actually – it is not only impacting my well-being, but it's now impacting the well-being and the culture of my classroom. Just because I haven't said out loud, I'm stressed out and I'm worried about my family. Mm -hmm. But it humanized me. My kids were angels that day. <laughs> But it was because I finally told them, you know what? I am worried. I am struggling. And that is affecting the way I'm behaving. And now they can do the same thing too. Where now I can have that conversation with my kids. I always refer back. Hey, remember when I was, when I was having a hard time? That's fine. It's okay to not be having a good day. But let's not take it out on our, our classmates. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not make it an unproductive day. What do you need from me in order to be successful? So, oh, yes. Absolutely. Awesome. And I, that example reminds me also we were – 
during that time, uh, the Puerto Rico um, stuff that was going on with the hurricane, we had a, we were doing a kindergarten session, if I remember correctly. And I have the same thing. We had some teachers that were really um, stressed out and they had to have their phones out. And, and um, one of them was talking to me that the day before in their class, um, she, she had to tell her little, ki her little kindergartners why she had to keep checking her phone and at their level, you know, at age appropriate level. But she had the same thing. She hadn't heard about them. Um, and I remember the kids were so lovely about it and offering a hug and, you know, because she missed her family. It's just like the concept of how she um, talked to them at their level. But yeah, just acknowledging those feelings and then, you know, role modeling that. Yeah. And that's okay because I think we do get caught up where we have to be this strong and we can't show these emotions. But I always say that's not life. No, in order to get to happiness, sometimes we got to get through that sadness mm -hmm. as well. Get that good cathartic cry. And you know one thing that kids are way better at than we are? Forgiveness. Yes. <laughs> they really, really are. It was like not they're like, okay, that's okay. We understand. So sorry. On. Let's go. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Because you know I've been holding a grudge against at least 20 people <laughs> for the last 20 years yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I really am not over a lot of stuff. And they, <laughs> they motivate me every day to get over so much more than I haven't gotten over. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Let me see here. I know that you have a strong presence as well in, um, in social media. And I wanted to make sure that our audience um, – connects with you on your platforms you have um it was this one friday thing that you were doing i forgot what you failing called. forward friday oh my god let's you talk like that let's talk about that okay so this is something <laughs> because that you, i was that thinking that maybe Twitter, i should get right? rid of it no but no i gotta keep it no i know i know i've tweeted and uh, retweeted him um because that's that whole human piece of educators and i think you know, they put us in this certain space that I have to be in this expert on every single thing. No, I just have to know how to, uh, the, the joy of learning it and teaching others about it. Yes. Um, but that failing Friday, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned it because there are a lot of things that I'll talk about with certain people in education. And this is this is my favorite advice. And by favorite, I mean not my favorite <laughs> at all. You know, they do that. Yeah. I'd be careful. You want to be careful, which is their nice way of saying don't do that, mm -hmm. right? Because you wouldn't want to give the impression, no. yada, yada. So um, a good example is I wanted to do um, a piece on how to self-publish mm -hmm. because I have self-published. And I told um, the person, you know, it's really important for me for teachers to have a side hustle. It's really yes. important for me for teachers to have some sort of extra passive income that will supplement their salaries. Isn't that? We got to be careful because we don't want to <laughs> give the impression that, you know, teachers' salaries are inadequate and then teachers will leave the profession. I'm like, oh, teachers' salaries are inadequate and that is why they're leaving the profession. Like, don't tell me not to address the elephant in the room. No. The same is with failing for forward Fridays. Someone said, you got to be careful. You don't want to give the impression that you're not a good teacher because you're trying to sell PD and coaching services. And if you're not doing really well in your classroom, people might not want to contract you. And it's very similar to like if you're a candidate or I don't know how familiar yeah, yeah, yeah. with campaigns. Yeah. It's like, well, if you don't, if that's not for you, then you're not my candidate or that you're not my voter. I think the same tr is true for my clients. Like if you're not okay with me saying, hey, y'all, like I teach one hour every morning because I do want to stay fresh. I don't want to be out of touch with yeah, the classroom. Yeah, yeah. It's very, even next year, I'm already signed up to teach another class. It's, it has enhanced how I give PD and how I coach teachers. Yep, yep. Um, but I make mistakes mm -hmm. and I can't honestly sit here and 
you know, I have a coaching on Friday, a training session on Friday in front of 30 teachers and tell them that I don't make mistakes or tell them that sometimes I don't have the best data or, you know, whatever it is, because it is a constant improvement process. And this is all the reason I wanted to do Failing Forward Friday is that we need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to be like, hey, excuse me, I messed up and here's how I messed up. But also, I don't know if you've noticed on the videos, I say moving yes, forward, moving forward. Yep. this is what I've decided to do. Or this is how I'm going to correct it. Here's how I'm going to prepare for next time. It is modeling vulnerability and modeling the reflective process. Mm -hmm. um, so it, what's hard is coming up with content because <laughs> I'm not that big of a hot mess that I'm like, oh, like, you know, I, I don't have a list of 30 things I did wrong, you know, but there it's, there are times where I'm like, what could somebody actually benefit from? So I'm refining it. So if there's anything you would yeah. like to see. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you don't already follow Carla on Twitter, um, it's at CRC Ed Services. Right? It is, yes. Um, I mean, super original. Send her your I wanted fail something punny, moments. but I couldn't come up with anything. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Send me send, I, like, your videos. I, I always I always get a, a lot of my content just from the conversations that I have um, with teachers. I, I do get, I am blessed that I have to um, travel statewide throughout the months um, and when I'm connecting with teachers through my uh, grant work. So I'm always picking their heads about <laughs> highs and lows of the week and how it's going in your classrooms and, oh, that content that we taught you isn't working well, what, what's not working well, and reflecting on that. And um, absolutely, they give me my, my, my best reflections and how to hone in on, on my work. So if you uh, do have one of those kind of fail uh, moments, tweet them to Carla so yeah. that she can get some some feedback and if you too. want to remain anonymous you're, <laughs> I'm happy to have a phone call where you can talk through your mistakes yes. and then I'll talk like hey I was talking to a teacher this week and <laughs> here's what happened in this person's classroom who will remain unnamed um, but I think it's important I think it's important because we're all struggling and we need to be able to laugh but then we also need to be able to be productive about problem solving yes yes absolutely so um, on that note do you want to transition out here any other advice or comments about your work or something that else you want to share with our community I do I do I think that kind of like what you said when you're when you're in it what was it that you said when you're I can't work when if I'm if what is it I when I can't work on it if I'm always working in, in it. it yes which I I have been blown away at the online education community. Oh, yeah. And I, of course, didn't seek it out until I realized, okay, this is something I'm doing. Let me find other people who are in education and how do educators use Twitter? How are educators interacting on Instagram, which are so so wildly different. Yes, it is. Um, very different purposes. But I realized, oh, my goodness, if I had had this opportunity – when I was a teacher, if, if even there was a professional development day where they said for two hours, we're just going to find our professional learning community online. You're mm -hmm. going to find the edu chats that you're interested in. You're going to put them on your calendar. There's just, there's so much information out there for free. There are so mm -hmm. many webinars out there for free. There mm -hmm. are so many places you could go to, you know, figuratively cry on someone's shoulder, but also places you can go to enhance your practice, but yes. also places you can go for laughs or entertainment or inspiration and if you don't have a teacher account 
on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, you are missing out on a wealth of information that can make you feel like you're a part of a community, that you're not just isolated in the four walls of your classroom and also literally help you improve your craft. So that would be another piece of advice. I I could not agree more with that um, because you – you, you come across teachers and, and they're isolated. I, I, some of our teachers, a lot of the ones that are um, outside of the county in these like remote, remote areas of the state, we don't realize how vast our state is and uh, all of these schools. Um, it really is. In these remote areas. Our rural schools need yes. so much support. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, just make sure that there's no firewall for this. <laughs> and, you know, go on here, go on this link. I know – um, I've always said, you know, I can be your social media help desk, you know, eat, shoot me an email or text me and we'll set up a time because I, I do understand that teachers can feel a little overwhelmed with getting on the, getting on platforms. Um, I have a couple of teachers, one of them specifically who I help, we help create a Facebook account, but it's just so that she could follow <laughs> our, our page so she can get the resources, but otherwise she just doesn't go on there at all. Um, but just start somewhere that's, com- I would say, that's comfortable for you, your comfort um, level. I highly recommend Twitter. So that way you're not in the funnel of the Facebook and all of the other stuff that you can get spammed with. In the death spiral where all <coughs> of a sudden you, you look get, up in five hours yes, and you're by. Yes. You yeah. can't get caught for five hours on Twitter. <laughs> I have no, noticed No, you that. cannot. You know, and I think anything that you're researching, you type it in the little query box there and you can get that information. Um, I have found a lot of the connections and the awareness coming from that platform, especially. You obviously you have to filter through some some spam stuff, things that I don't consider that are DAP. But otherwise, it's been a, a really lovely experience. And I know mm-hmm. um, for Carla's um, account, I always try to retweet your stuff to make sure our audience uh, sees that. Thank you, thank you. So, with that being said, I hope our listeners enjoyed. This podcast, I think it's going to be one of many future ones with Carla because it's always a treat. To- we have a list of at least 10 more yeah. topics. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's so funny because we're like, well, I'm early childhood and then you've done more stuff in the early. You're, you're with the upper grades. But, man, the topics are just across the board. Everything is connected. Yes. So Everything. connected. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for having This was wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad you I'm delighted yes. by this experience.